The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our real estate agent in the state of Florida. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Welcome in. No Quarter Given Podcast. Unfortunately, a two-game losing streak edition of the No Quarter Given Podcast as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to 3-3 and on the year after a 16-13 loss to the division rival Atlanta Falcons at Raymond James Stadium. Appreciate you finding us. I'm your host, Jason. No Peter Blake this week. Peter is on assignment so it's going to be Jason taking you solo this week, doing a little recap of the Bucks falcons game. We're going to do a little montage of the Buffalo Bills as we preview the Thursday night game in Orchard Park against the AFC East Buffalo Bills. And we're also going to talk a little, we're going to be a little preview of the game. And we're also going to talk a little trade deadline. The, the trade deadline is next Tuesday on Halloween. So we're going to give you a couple of notes and nuggets of, of are the Bucks potentially in the market to acquire somebody? Could they potentially be in the market to trade somebody? So we'll give you a few uh, thoughts on that topic as well. So a tough game for the Buccaneers, a game that was very winnable at the end. Uh, if you didn't see the game on TV, Bucks had the ball late in the game, first and goal at the eight to potentially win the game in the last uh, couple of minutes. Had to settle for a field goal, and then uh, Young Wen Koo kicks a game-winning 51-yard field goal at the gun to send the Falcons to victory lane. So let's start a uh, couple couple of themes of the game. First theme to me was penalties. The Bucks had a uh, tough day as far as committing penalties, especially offensive pre-snap penalties. The Bucks committed nine penalties for 66 yards. Um, Again, several pre-snap fouls that they had not been committing in the first uh, five weeks of the uh, five five games. They had at least three kind of pre-snap penalties, whether it's offensive false starts. Uh, There was uh, a couple of a couple of those. You had a critical holding call on a uh, long run by Rashad White that brought back. You had a a couple other things that were uh, problematic. So, to me, penalties were 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 a theme uh, as well. Um, early in the game, if you're the Buccaneers, I didn't like the Bucks came out early in the game on their first possession. They were they they advanced the ball to about the Atlanta 40 or so, and they went for it on fourth down and six. I did not like that the Bucks went for it there. To me, fourth and six is just too far to go that early in the game. The defense stopped Atlanta on the first drive. I would have loved to have seen Todd Bowles pin the Falcons inside the 10-yard line and play defense. Again, make Desmond Ritter and that offense go 90 yards. 
they they did not have a uh, they're not a very very fluid offensive team. Again, Ritter Ritter did not play exceptionally well in the game. He made made a couple of nice throws, but I would have liked to have seen the Bucks pin the Falcons deep and made made it a little bit more of a field position field position game early in the game. Uh, if you watch the game, you notice that Bijan Robinson played very sparingly. I think he only played three or four snaps in the entire game. Uh, the, the the final kind of outcome of why he didn't play never really came out. It had to have been a health issue, meaning he probably wasn't feeling very good. I don't know if he had a flu or a you know food poisoning type situation. But Bijan Robinson was kind of a non-factor in the game. Uh, Tyler Algier became the lead back, and he started to make some hay in the second half. But the first half, the Buccaneer defense played pretty well, and uh, you know Des- they allowed Desmond Ritter to use his legs early in the game. I remember the Bucks. Uh, you know, he scored the first touchdown of the game on a quarterback keeper, um, which you know, uh, an RPO kind of kind of play. But but I didn't like Todd Bowles going for it fourth and six. If it was fourth and a couple of yards, two or three yards, no problem going for it. But I didn't like going for it on fourth and six. You didn't have an opportunity via an offsides to have gotten a first down. Uh, they end up not converting on fourth and six. Gives the Falcons good field position. Atlanta goes down the field, scores to, to make it seven to nothing. Uh, the Bucks come back and kick a field goal, seven three. Uh, but again, uh, did not like the the the, the To me, it was too aggressive at that point in the game to do that. Again, I would have liked to have seen a little more of a uh, field position battle there on that first after that first drive. Run game is still struggling, still having all kinds of issues getting Rashad White going. Uh, again, uh, he was much more effective in the passing game. He 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 caught he had about sixty yards in receiving on several checkdowns. I like that that aspect of the offense, but the pure running game has not been able to get firing. Um, the Bucks again did not convert. It was a critical third down early, you know, mid mid first half. A third and one situation that the Bucks did not convert as well. Um, you know, didn't didn't love didn't love the play call there uh, out of the shotgun. If you're going to run third and third down and one, fourth and one, I'd like to see under center whether it's a uh, power power running running play. You have the opportunity to do an RPO, or not even an RPO, but like a, a quick flip out toss sweep kind of situation. You have some more options. You could still play action out of that under center, and uh, you know the Bucks are. Still didn't have the uh, the oper- the ability to convert third and one and get any, a solid running game going. Uh, question: A couple questions you, you may you may be wondering where has Sean Tucker been the last several games? You know he 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 had he had a decent he had a he had a nice little role the uh, first couple of games and you've not seen him much in the last two or three weeks. From a, from Keyshawn Vaughn's perspective, I just don't think Keyshawn Vaughn is a high any any type anything other than an average NFL running back. He doesn't have a burst. He's not. He's his hands are not very good coming out of the backfield. He's not great in pass protection. I'm not quite sure what the Buccaneer coaching staff are, are seeing in, in in Keyshawn Vaughn. Maybe it's more what Sean Tucker's not doing potentially in practice. I don't know if he's having a tough time picking up the pass protection schemes, things like that. That may be part of the problem. Um, we don't know that. Um, there's not been much comment about uh, Key, about Sean Tucker's uh, lack of usage. And I know, again, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn has been getting more of the second uh, team touches. But to me, if you're going uh, to – to me, Rashad White's your, your main guy. If you're not going to play Sean Tucker, Rashad White needs to get 80% of the carries and 80% of the, 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 the snaps at running back. 
Um, I think he's a decent, he's a good player. Again, I think he needs a little bit of help on the interior of the line as far as the run blocking, Filer, Hainsey, Cody Mock. Those three have got to improve a little bit in the in the run blocking game. Uh, I think pass protection, the Buccaneer offensive line is doing a really good job. I think Mayfield was sacked a couple of times Sunday, but all in all, the pass protection has been pretty solid uh, throughout the uh, the regular season so far with the passing with, with the with the game. Three three critical turnovers for the Buccaneers kept the game close. Again, the controversial play of the game was kind of the, the Drake London fumble. Uh, right at the goal line, did he fumble? And when he fu- well, he clearly fumbled, but the question was when he got flipped over, did his did his fingertips touch out of bounds prior to the ball bouncing over the pylon, which would have been a touchback? Uh, the 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 Bucks challenged that play, and it was determined that they I don't know how they determined that his that that his fingers touched out of bounds because it was very very difficult to see that on TV, uh, but they ruled that his finger touched out of bounds before the ball bounced out of bounds over the pylon, which would have been a, a touchback for the Buccaneers. They give the ball to the Falcons on the one. Luckily, from a uh, football gods perspective, the uh, Ritter fumbles the snap, the, the subsequent snap, and, and it's recovered by uh, the Buccaneers. So a little bit of justice there. And then the, maybe the defensive effort play of the year so far for the Buccaneers was Antoine Winfield chasing down Ritter, who was going to walk in for another uh, quarter uh, quarterback uh, run touchdown, strips the ball from Ritter, creating a touchback for the Buccaneers, keeping the game at 13-10. Uh, to 10. Just a tremendous effort play by Winfield to uh, not give up on the play and to strip the ball from Ritter right at the one-yard line which keeps the, the game at 13-10. The Bucks with a nice drive late in the fourth quarter to get the ball first and goal at the eight. You saw a big run by Baker Mayfield, a big scramble play, about a 30-yard run, um, something we would not have obviously seen last year out of Brady. Um, but I didn't, you know, they get the first and goal at the eight and then kind of three blase plays on third down. Mayfield gets sacked, which leads to the uh, Chase McLaughlin game-time field goal with about a minute left in the game. Again, Creativity in the red zone is key. Whether it's motions, whether it's shifts, whether it's play design, you've got to come up with some some a little more creativity in the red zone. I just don't, uh, you know, I'm not seeing a ton of creativity in the red zone uh, for the Buccaneers. Uh, again, the Bucks don't have, uh, you know, whether it's you know reverse, whether it's a you know formationally, we've got to be a little more creative in the red zone. I understand defensively it's a tight, tight, much tighter windows, much tighter space to get guys open, but we've got to do a better job, whether it's even quarterback draw, something like that. Um, RPO with Mayfield, you got to create some more opportunities to, to create some, uh, to, to score touchdowns. You can't keep kicking field goals. Again, Mayfield with a nice long touchdown pass to Mike Evans uh, early in the game. The only deep ball we saw the entire game, we really didn't see any other deep balls. Again, you have to util, again utilizing Trey Palmer in in the mix. He's he's your fastest receiver. Um, again, we didn't see we saw a lot of too high coverage after that first long deep ball to Mike Evans. But you still have to figure out a way schematically to to create a deep ball at least once a quarter. Right in my view, um, you hear the the old adage by all good, really good offensive corners, you throw one deep ball a quarter at least. And I didn't. And the Buccaneers did not really do do that after the Mike Evans touchdown. So, um, Mike Evans finishes six catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Mayfield ended up with 275 yards and a touchdown and a killer interception. 
That the red zone interception was probably the probably his worst throw of the year. To be honest with you, uh, the Bucks just uh, you know it's just a throw you can't make. He had Rashad White wide open in the flat would have been an eight or ten yard gain, and he's trying to force a ball into Cade Otten when there was no way, no chance that the ball was getting there uh, to Cade. Double coverage on Cade at about the five yard line, intercepted by Atlanta, and just a, just a. A lousy throw. That I'm not going to put that on the play call. That's a lousy throw by Mayfield. That's just a terrible play by Baker Mayfield. Um, you had uh, again. You had Rashad White wide open in the flat. Would have been a six or seven yard gain uh, to keep the drive moving. So, um, so there you go. Again, and, and then on the last drive of the game, the Bucks fail to stop Ritter. Ritter makes a really nice throw to Kyle Pitts on the first first play of the drive for about thirty yards. Gets him into uh, right around scoring range. The, the, the Falcons milk the clock and set up the 51-yard field goal and give give Koo credit. He's a money kicker. He's a really good kicker. He nails the 51-yarder at the gun. Bucks lose 16-13 to the Atlanta Falcons in a game they really should have won. Again, with the turnovers, with the, with the opportunity at first and goal at the eight, uh, the, that's a game that the Bucks just you got to win that game. You got to find a way to win the game. So uh, the Bucks have lost two straight home games. They've lost all three home games this year: Philadelphia, Detroit, now Atlanta. It's something where again, if you're a winning team, this is a team who who we think can compete for this division. You got to win home games. You you can't lose these kind of games. And the reason why this game was so critical for the Buccaneers could have been such a huge win for the Bucks had they won the game and gone to four and two. They would have been up two games in the loss column on both Atlanta and New Orleans with already beating both of those teams. So you'd have been up basically two and a half games in the division. So that's why this loss to the Falcons is so crushing is because now you're a half game behind Atlanta and, the, you're, you're, and you keep New Orleans in the race as well. Remember, New Orleans lost on Thursday night at home to Jacksonville. Um, so that's why this game, other than it being a division game, was critical because you'd have been up two and a half games in the division on both Atlanta and New Orleans, and now you're now it's just back to being jumbled up uh, and with a tough next three or four weeks ahead if you're, if you're the Buccaneers. So um, tough loss for the Bucs. Again, one thing I did like to see, you heard comments post-game that Antoine Winfield really challenged the team post-game about the do we want to be great. Remember, Buck fans, this Bucks team is playing with a little bit of a hand behind their back, a lot of young players. Remember, $75, $80 million in dead cap money. Um, so you're not going to see that you're going to you're going to continue to see the younger players play, uh, but the de- but but we got to be better. The defense is still uh, good enough to be to, to 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 lead us. The offense has had their moments. Um, Dave Canales growing into the job as the OC, but we've got to figure out a way. Whether it's schematics, whether it's again motions, whether it's formationally to create more running more running lanes to create easier pass passing options. Uh, and you gotta you gotta feature your big players. Evans, Godwin, uh, Rashad White are your three big players. You gotta you gotta sprinkle in some uh, Trey Palmer. Utilize his speed. Whether even if it's as a decoy, you gotta utilize his speed to open up the 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 the, the balls, the deeper throws. Because that that you have you have guys that can make plays. You've just gotta create ways to uh, create the matchups to make those uh, plays viable. So. Um, Again, tough loss for the Bucks, um, and we are going and, and with Buffalo coming up on a short week Thursday night. We're going to preview Buffalo here in just a few minutes, but before we do that, uh, we are going to get to Paul Stewart again. We are part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. 
Um, go to buckpower.com for all of your for all the video video content, audio content, all the statistical stuff. You want to get an in depth breakdown of the game, the the the, uh, the season stats, historical stats for all every single Buccaneer game that's ever occurred since 1976. Buckpower.com is the place to go on that front. And, uh, and we're going to go to Paul Stewart here in just a second here with his montage of the Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills. They, don't, they do not have a storied rivalry history, but Paul is going to give you all the great highlights and moments from the Buccaneers and the Buffalo Bills history. A uh, little, little Bills trivia related to, the, to Tampa. I worked as a youngster, as a high school senior, I worked the Super Bowl in 1991, the the, the desert, the, the the Gulf War Super Bowl. Remember the Whitney Houston, the famous Whitney Houston uh, national anthem. I worked the Super Bowl selling sodas in the old Tampa Stadium. Uh, I was a high school senior. I worked my junior and senior year. I worked all the Buccaneer home games selling sodas in the stadium. I was the guy trekking up and down uh, Tampa Stadium, the uh, the steps. Selling you fans the sodas back in the day as a high school kid. So I got to work the Super Bowl involving the Buffalo Bills. Said Buffalo Bills. Jim Kelly and the K-Gun and Marv Levy and all those guys. Those great Buffalo teams against the New York Giants. The famous wide right field goal by Scott Norwood at the gun. Giants win the game 20-19. to um, Here in Tampa, again, during the Gulf, the Gulf War Super Bowl. 1991. So that's my kind of my Buffalo Bills, you know, story related to, to Tampa. Um, you know, what a team that Buffalo Bills team was. Went to four straight Super Bowls, not able to win any of the four. That was the first of the four Super Bowls they went to. Lost to part, lost to Parcells and the Giants. Uh, 20 to 19. OJ Anderson was a huge factor in that game, running the ball. Time of possession was a huge factor. They kept the the Buffalo offense off the field. The, the famed K Gun offense: Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, Jim Kelly, and those guys. James Lofton, uh, and then you had the defense with Bruce Smith, Cornelius Bennett, and all those Daryl Talley and all those guys. So, a uh, great Super Bowl here in Tampa, 20 to 19. And so let's go to Paul Stewart and the Buffalo Bills Tampa Bay Buccaneers montage. We'll be back in just a minute or a couple of minutes. We're going to, we'll talk a little about the trade deadline coming up, and then we'll preview the Buffalo game Thursday night in Orchard Park. We'll be back in just a minute. The Bucs have an 8-4 record against Buffalo, making them the opponent they've got their best winning percentage against. But they did not play a game in upstate New York until 2009. They have, though, played them in pre-season games in such strange locations as Orlando and Nashville. The Bucs played Buffalo during their expansion season, and this was the game in which they scored their first points. Dave Green connected on a 39-yard field goal in the first quarter. This footage is from a special teams game film that I got hold of recently. Now, the Bucs trailed 14-9 when they ran a fake field goal late in the game, but Steve Spurrier's pass to Green came up a yard short, and the Bucs would lose the third of their 14 consecutive games that season. The 1982 season saw the Cardiac Kids, as they became known, win three straight dramatic games to make their way into the postseason tournament that season. The first of them was against the Buffalo Bills, and it was the Bucks' first Hall of Famer who forced the key fumble that saved the victory. Here's Leeks again. 
The two years of Lehman Bennett's coaching were depressing for Buccaneer fans, but one of his four wins did come against the Buffalo Bills in 1986. James Wilder was involved in two memorable plays. One, bit of a blooper, and the other one for more memorable reasons. Second and ten from their own 35. Young, good release, almost picked off. Volleyball time, still in the air. I want to say point United States, and it's James Wilder who picks it up. Welcome to the Olympics. Third catch of the season for Harris. That was Wilder up. He's in the open. There was a memorable four-down defensive stand late in the 1988 game to reserve a 10-5 victory for the Bucks. and in 2005, Shelton and Hawks had a safety against the Bills. Special teams got into the action in the 2000 game as Carl Williams had one of his punt return touchdowns. But when it comes to dramatic openings for game against Buffalo, we'll look at 2013, the second play of the game. Here you go, Bobby Rainey will show you how it's done. Second and 10 from the 20. Here's Rainey, finds a gash, and Rainey's got plenty of real estate inside Buffalo territory. Can they get him? Ten, one final move, and he's in. 80 yards, Rainey taking it to the house. But when he comes to truly memorable plays between the Bucks and the Bills, we go back to the last meeting of the two teams in 2021. The game went to overtime, and for only the second time in franchise history, and the first at home, the Bucks had a walk-off touchdown. Over to you, Bouchard Perryman and Gene Deckerhoff. Evans wide to the right, shotgun look with Fournette on the right hip of Brady. Here's the snap, pressure coming from the outside. Brady throws it back, hot ball first out of the 50, outside the numbers 40, to the 30-yard line, to the 25, and Perriman, Bashad Perriman, touchdown Tampa Bay, Bucks win in overtime, Perriman, Perriman, Perriman. This will be another of those infernal Thursday games, hated by players and coaches, and really disliked by us British fans because the kickoff is 1.15 in the morning. Now, the Bucks are 5 to 9 on Thursdays, including the first one, which came back in 1980, a special rematch of the previous year's championship game when the Bucks actually beat the Rams 10 to 9. So it may be a few hours later, but you'll be able to read all about this one on BuckPower.com. Every player, every game. Everything bucks. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404, and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You want to know how much of a home you can make an offer on, and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an FHA, VA, conventional loan, jumbo loan, bank statement loans. There are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams. You can also renovate. You can do a renovation loan, which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan. So reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida for your next home purchase, 205-790-1404. Well, the fall football season and fall sports calendar is finally here. 
and there's no better place to buy your tickets, for whether it's for the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, or any sporting event in between in the, in the fall months of August through December, then TicketSmarter.com. TicketSmarter is your secondary marketplace to go for all of your sports ticket needs, whether it's NHL coming up, Major League Baseball, college football, your favorite NFL team, whatever it is, TicketSmarter.com is the place to go. And for your first time purchase, you will get $10 off your first $100 order. All you have to do is use the code POWERS10. Again, go to TicketSmarter.com and use the code POWERS10 to enjoy $10 off your first order of $100 or more. That's TicketSmarter.com for all of your ticket needs this fall. All right, welcome back. No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm Jason. No Peter Blake this week. He is on assignment. Uh, we're previewing uh, the Buffalo Bills Thursday night Amazon game with Herb Street and, and uh, Al Michaels. Tough loss for the Buccaneers, 16-13 to the Atlanta Falcons to fall to 3-3. Second place now in the NFC South, a half game behind the Falcons. Let's talk trade deadline. Trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday, Halloween. Um, So let's talk about will the Bucs potentially be in the trade market. A lot of talk about should the Bucs go trade for a running back. A guy like Zach Moss, a guy like Derrick Henry, maybe even a Rashad Penny kind of guy. Should the Bucks trade for one of those guys? My answer to that question is no. I think Rashad White is good enough to be the guy. Um, is he Emmett Smith? No. Is he electric electrifying? No. But I think he's good enough to what we have now. Remember, Buck fans, this is kind of a reset year for the Buccaneers. I, I do not want to be uh, trading away draft picks for the next year's draft for a guy that's going to be a rental like a Derrick Henry. Um Again, Derrick Henry's on the back half of his career. He's not had a great year in Tennessee. And again, and is the Bucks' offensive line good enough to even create holes for Derrick Henry? I don't know about that. Is Derrick, Would Derrick Henry be that much of an upgrade? I don't know about that. I don't think so. And plus, I wouldn't want to have to give up a third-round third third pick for Derrick Henry, plus maybe a fifth or sixth-round pick to get Derrick Henry. Plus, you have to absorb his salary for the remainder of the year. Bucks only have about $3 million of salary cap space. This year, remember, the Bucks are taking a taking their lumps with the salary cap this year. Got about $75 million in dead cap money. What I would like to see the Bucks do at the running back spot, let's give Sean Tucker some more, a little more run. If Rashad White's not the guy that you truly, truly believe in, let's see what Sean Tucker can do. He's got some burst. He's got some wiggle. He's shown some signs. Again, if you have to put Rashad White more in on third down, great, because he's a better pass protector and he's a good receiver, great. But I think Sean Tucker and Rashad White can be enough of an answer for you if the offensive line in front of them can, can create a little more separation. Uh, speaking of the offensive line, you know, if the Bucks were to make a trade, to me, it's do you make a trade to go bring in an offensive lineman, whether it's a whether it's a left guard or a right guard? Remember, you got Cody Mock starting at right guard, the rookie. He's been good, not great. Um, has he been has he been terrible? No. Um, but again, left guard Matt Filer. Again, Matt Filer was available for a reason in the offseason. You know, he signed a one-year contract with the Buccaneers. We signed him kind of late in free agency. Um, that's for a reason. Uh, again, he's a big guy, but again, we want, we, again, not creating the holes. And the other the other question about the offensive line is Robert Hainsey at center. Tough situation with no Ryan Jensen this year. Hainsey's a good player. Is he elite? Not yet. 
Um, he's a good communicator, a good general of the offensive line. We get it, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. He can sometimes get overpowered, which affects you in the running game, especially in the short yardage situation. So uh, if the Bucks were to make a move, the offensive line would be the place that I would look to to make a move. Let's talk about tr- the trade deadline from the other side of the perspective. Would the Bucks potentially be in the market to trade some pieces away? Interesting question to ask. Couple of names to be be aware of, especially for uh, related to their contract situation at the end of this year. Devin White could he potentially be traded? The team we're playing on Thursday night, Buffalo, has a major need at linebacker. They lost Matt Milano, their middle linebacker, to a season-ending injury. Could Buffalo potentially be in the market for a Devin White kind of guy? You could probably get a second-round draft pick for Devin White. Are the Bucks going to re-sign Devin White? They've not. They've not publicly stated. You know, they they've stated they want him. But again, is Devin White going to be a Buccaneer next year? We don't know. So if you could get a second-round draft pick for Devin White, potentially even maybe a first-round draft pick, they're not going to get a one for Devin. Potentially a second. Would you trade Devin White to a playoff contender? Again, Buffalo is a prime team that could be in the need for a linebacker especially after this game on Thursday night where you'll have five or six days if you're the the front offices to evaluate where you're at. If the Bucks lose to Buffalo on Thursday night, could they potentially be in the market to trade a Devin White? There's been some speculation about Mike Evans being traded. I don't think the Bucks are going to trade Mike Evans. I think they'll figure out a way to get an extension done with him um, at the end of the year, a, a, you know, a two- or three-year extension with Evans. But Devin White would be a name you could keep an eye on after Thursday night, especially if the Bucks lose on Thursday night, you could save a little bit of salary cap space, and you could probably recoup a, a second, third round draft pick. At worst, you could you could probably get a second round draft pick for Devin White, if in your mind you don't think you're going to be able to re-sign him. I don't know what the Bucks are thinking on this, but just a name to keep an eye on would be Devin White, Buffalo Bills, maybe even a, 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 or another playoff contender potentially a team like the Kansas City Chiefs who just lost their middle linebacker for for seven or eight weeks with a wrist injury. So keep your eye on that. Could the Bucs potentially trade another defensive player? You could see a defensive lineman, a guy like William Golston, who who could have some value for a team down the road. So I could see the Bucs potentially trading a guy like him. Would you potentially ever entertain the the thought of trading one of your corners, if somebody made you a really good offer for Jamel Dean or a Carlton Davis, could you trade one of those guys? Could you trade a guy like Ryan Neal, who's on a one-year contract of safety? You know, he's not been great for the Buccaneers yet. He's been solid, but he's not been great. He's been caught out of position a couple times. Would he be a guy that potentially somebody might want to trade, make a trade for? We'll see. So a couple names to be aware of there as far as uh, trade pieces go if the Buccaneers decide to be sellers at the deadline. would be Devin White, potentially Ryan Neal, potentially one of your corners if somebody made a big offer for one of your corners. So we'll see how that goes. So there's your trade uh, chatter. Again, just some thoughts to be aware of following Thursday. Because remember, the Bucs will have an extended weekend to be to really figure out where they are where they're going. So um, remember, the Bucks go to Houston next week after the uh, the, the the extended weekend. Um, so be, be be interesting to see where the Buccaneers are following the game. All right, let's do a little preview of Buffalo. Again, Buffalo comes into this game four and three, uh, a a tough loss to New England at Foxborough on Sunday afternoon. Mac Jones leads a game winning drive. 
give them full credit. Buffalo has been very, very uh, up and down the last three weeks. Offensively, not been great. The running game has been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty lousy for Buffalo for, for the last couple of years. Offensive line play has not been great. Again, you still have Josh Allen. You still have um, uh, Stephon Diggs. You have uh, Gabe Davis. You got the, the the James Cook in the backfield. You got the, the the rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Knox is going to be out for a little while. Dawson Knox, excuse me. Um, so he's going to be out for a little bit. So you're going to see more Kincaid in the lineup. And defensively, a veteran group. You got Vaughn Miller. You got uh, a good secondary. Sean McDermott's a defensive guy. They don't do a lot of stuff, a lot of fancy stuff on defense. They just they just play that defense very solidly. Uh, you got Micah Hyde, uh, Jordan Poyer in the back end. Remember, no Tredavious White, he's out. No Matt Milano, he's out. So there's some opportunity for the Bucks, probably in the passing game, to uh, do a little do a little damage with Evans and Godwin. But can you establish enough of a running game to make the play action viable, to make the rollouts, the bootlegs, things like that viable? Um, again, tough environment going to Orchard Park on Thursday night. That that fan pace, Bills Mafia is going to be crazy on Thursday night. Um, again, Buffalo coming off of a, uh, a division loss. They're underachieving so far through seven games. I think you're going to see a motivated uh, Buffalo Bills team. This is a tough spot for the Buccaneers. Um, you know, to me, this comes down to can Mayfield generate enough offense? You got to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Um, again, get Trey Palmer a little more involved. I'd love to see him get a, a few more touches. Godwin and Evans have got to be your focus as well and lean on. Rashad White, Sean Tucker. I don't want to see much more Keyshawn Vaughn, to be honest with you. You know, nice guy, nice player, but you saw, you know, he was he was complaining in training camp about his role. He's just he's very average. It, it is what it is. He's your third running back in my view. Uh, let's lean on Tucker. Let's lean on uh, Rashad White. In Baker Mayfield, you've got to make better decisions in the red zone. We've got to figure out a way to score touchdowns in the red zone. Dave Canales, whether it's schematically, whether it's motion shifts, things like that, you can't give the defense an easy look. you got to f- figure out ways to confuse the defense a little bit, and that's through motion and shifts, things like that. So um, prediction-wise, I think this is going to be a tough game for the Buccaneers. Um, you know, as optimistic as I want to be, I got a feeling the Bucs are going to lose this game 24-17 kind of game. Uh, turnovers obviously can be a key factor. Don't let Stefan Diggs ruin the game. Stefan Diggs is a all-pro type, type uh, receiver. Carlton Davis, let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You're going to have Stefan Diggs a lot of this game. Don't let Stefan Diggs ruin this game. Uh, make them have to run the ball. They do not do not have a good uh, off, great offensive line when it comes to the run game. And don't let Josh Allen eat you alive with the running game as well. Quarterback runs, scrambles, things like that. So uh, I think the Bucks go down 24-17, if I'm being honest. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. And we will see come Thursday night. Amazon, remember, 8, feet, eight, eight o'clock kickoff on Amazon. Uh we need a win here if you're the Buccaneers. If you can find a way to win this game, you're right back in the mix with another winnable game at Houston next week. Uh, and then the Tennessee Titans come into town in a couple of weeks where Paul Stewart from England will be in town for the Tennessee Titan game. So, again, look forward to seeing Paul Stewart. Look forward to seeing Peter Blake back on with, with me next week. 
Check out the Buccaneers broadcast on 98 Rock in the Tampa Bay market with Dave, Gene, and TJ Reeves. Buccaneer app. If you can't, uh, if you're not in the Tampa Bay market, go to the Buccaneer app online for the broadcast as well as SiriusXM. So, 24-17 Buffalo is my prediction. Hope I'm wrong. Let's get a win, Buccaneers. Orchard Park, Thursday night, prime time. Let's get it done, Bucks. Here we go, Bucks. Let's get to four and three. We'll see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the buckpower.com podcast network.